Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! Anyway, that's that for now. I apologize in advance. I, like, was doing pretty well throughout the day, but, like, an hour ago, my allergies started really hitting hard. This weekend sucks. Yeah, this whole, the whole past week has been a, a garbage fire of allergies. So I apologize in advance for my sniffling. I think this is like the third week in a row I've done this. <laughs> <laughs> it's that time That's of okay. year, guys. I feel like, and our listeners might disagree, I feel like I've done a good job of editing them, editing them out. Editing my little sniffle sniffs. But yeah, I feel like I only catch like, there are only like three unavoidables every episode. And maybe I miss one, but like it's between three and five yeah. sniffles. Whereas when bef- the unedited version is like 10. Should <laughs> we get into it? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get into it. Well, hang on. Let me throw a ducky out of the room now. Sorry. Okay. Hello. It is uh, season three, episode 11 of the Feeny Call. Here we are. <laughs> way to, way Another... to announce that one with a lot of vigor and enthusiasm. <laughs> Another week in quarantine, and here we are. Oh, God, is it another week in quarantine? I don't even know anymore. On the plus side, Chicago is in phase three of reopening, so restaurants can have outdoor seating, and a, a lot of our parks have reopened, which is exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... The, whole, the whole dining thing still has me weirded out. Some restaurants on this strip that I live on that, like, clearly don't have enough space but are, like, shoving tables outside anyway to, like, try and make it work. And I'm like, guys, yeah. can't, like, you know you're not checking the boxes like right yeah. <laughs> this isn't this is not you're really cheating. what they had in mind <laughs> this is a good episode i it started this is so a good it, episode. the episode started and i was like wait which one is this again what happens in this episode and then like it feeny he hands the key and i go oh yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah it's a good one i love this one it's it's a good good time yeah, I saw what it was in the description. I was like, oh, yeah, this episode. I actually really like right. this episode. And I haven't seen it in a couple of years. So I was definitely looking forward to revisiting it. So, yeah, um, yeah we can get into it. You are I on the recap. On the recap. All right. We're going to do that recap in five, four. You don't have to include this. Oh, Ducky, shut up. Okay, basically, yeah. so the boys are studying at the table, and Feeney shows up, and he comes in, and he gives Amy a key to his cabin in the mountains, and uh, then Sean swipes the key, and Corey and Sean sneak up to the mountains, uh, and then Feeney shows up at the cabin, and while they're there, Sean and Feeney kind of get into it and have a whole thing, and then they accidentally flush Feeney's watch down the sink. Uh, they find out that Feeney knows a lot more about them than they thought, and then they go and dive in the septic tank and get the watch back. Meanwhile, the B-plot, Eric's trying to woo a girl who likes jocks, and they have a ridiculous pool game with Frank that goes on for three hours 15 hours yeah 15 <laughs> hours yeah which is just wild but we'll get into that whole b plot in a in a while that was not a bad recap i think the only thing you missed was the reason that feeney gave the keys to amy is this because it is a birthday weekend i was i was looking at the clock as i was doing it like oh no oh no oh no i'm not gonna, I was like, I'm not gonna have time for the b plot i want to get to the b plot and you i did, did. I, made you got it. There. I made it thank god do you have any fun facts for us I do. So last episode, we kind of talked about this because we had uh, Charisma Carpenter in uh, the previous episode from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This episode has Julie Benz, who plays Darla in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So two back-to-back Buffy cameos for all you other 90s TV fans out there. And of course, the episode title is a riff off of City Slickers. Right, City Slackers, yeah. 
Yeah. Who, who so. plays who's the, the girl that Eric's trying to date? That's the actress from Buffy. Yes. Got it. I never mm-hmm. watched Buffy, so I don't really know. I didn't either, but I have people who like swear. Oh yeah, by no, it. I know it's supposed. To, it's you know, I've heard heard of plenty of good things. Do you want to kick it off? Uh with what yeah. I learned. Oh sure. It was kind of a tough one because I feel like there are many things that could be drawn from this, and I feel like I picked the most generic. So I'm almost not looking forward to what I have to say, but more looking forward to what you have to say. Because I kind of picked a very generic, like, you can't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> sure. I knew you. I mean, I knew you were going to say that. That was off the top of my head as well. It, yeah. It's very, it's like a very generic, like, obviously, that's something. But I feel like that's, that rings very true for Sean in this episode where he thinks he knows Feeny and he's, he thinks that Feeny doesn't know him and he feels Feeny doesn't like him and that kind of thing. And so when Feeney reveals that he knows more than just like his his record he's shocked he's completely blown away that he has things and, and then he reads the diary and he's like I have things in common with Feeney this is wild and so I feel like especially for Sean in this episode you really can't judge a book by its cover yeah I think it's funny that all Feeney has to do is let him know that he's familiar with counting crows and that sells him <laughs> yes, you know like yeah. that's that's it for Sean he's not like okay what else <laughs> you know? but that is saying something I mean I can't I don't think I could name a single I think it's any teachers of mine could not name uh, an artist that I am in love with you know like that's that does say a lot about Feeney that he even knows something like that no I know, I know it, does. it so. does it's just funny to me that like the way the scene plays out for the sake of time, it's like he gets one fun fact in there. And like right, that does yeah. it all. <laughs> so I try to think about the two plots together a little bit and and this thread of like the appearances and and of trying to appear as one thing for, for someone else's sake in the Eric plot and how and mm-hmm. if that is applicable to the A plot. And while I don't know that that was really the case, I think what I what I kind of took away in this episode similar to the adage of not judging a book by its cover it's this idea that respect is a two-way street and Mm -hmm. that sean never gives feeney the time of day to believe that he could possibly care or respect about him like he doesn't even give him the option Mm -hmm. and then the second he presents the option as like okay prove it like feeney does immediately Right, and proves him wrong. Yeah. So it all what it what it demonstrates really is that Sean just needed to give Feeney a chance. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so I think this idea that like you're gonna get in your own way and create your own enemies if you never give a chance for someone to be your ally. Um, yeah. And that Sean never never leaves the yeah. door open until this moment and then he discovers that they they could get along decently. It's amazing to me that we have an episode like this because I'm pretty sure Sean gripes at some point again about how Feeney is really hard on him or something, or he doesn't like respect him or know him or something like that. I feel like we hear this again from Sean at some point. So it's amazing to me that we have this entire episode and, and it, it doesn't. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we revisit it later in the, in the with the Eskimo and the billboard. Yeah. Similar, yeah. similar kind of thread there, but but I agree. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I really enjoy it though. Otherwise I think that there there's, there's a lot to take away from that idea of how is anyone supposed to treat you well, if you won't give them a chance. 
Yeah, that's very true. See, that's why I wanted to hear your <laughs> takeaway because my takeaway your takeaway was wasn't dumb. dumb. Your takeaway was was, the, so. <laughs> was probably the key takeaway. You know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to dig on it a little deeper. But yeah, I think that that's that's really what it comes. And it's interesting because Corey kind of keeps presenting this idea of like Sean, he's not like a bad guy. You know, he's on saying shit. That's like Sean, just give him a chance. And like Corey seems to understand that while Feeney is their teacher and in an in adult role. Uh, in a in a position of power over them um or authority not power position of authority over them he also understands that like feeney actually gives a shit about them um he's trying to kind of get sean to see that as well that's my big takeaway it's easy to call everybody around you an enemy if you never gave him a chance to be something otherwise yeah i would agree with that that's a good point all right. <laughs> well, that's all. See you next week. That's all. Starting. Well, I don't. I don't want to say starting off from the top of the episode because it's not starting from the top of the episode. But as far as inconsistencies on the shows on this show goes, what's up with the fact that Feeney says that Sean went to five schools before he went there, and he lived in Ohio and Oklahoma, but somehow Corey and Sean have been friends since kindergarten? Yeah, yeah, that is an interesting... Um, they they make a big deal about trying to throw that detail in to show you how damaged Sean's life is, right? Like, what do they say? Born in Texas, Ohio, Oklahoma, five schools, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, and now in on the flip side of that, Sean and Corey have known each other since they were five years old, and you're like, well, now how? Yes. <laughs> Unless how I mean, well, and the only the only thing I could rebuttal to that is that some somewhere between the ages of five and ten, because what does he say? In and out of five schools before he's twelve, right? Theoretically, they could have moved somewhere else and then back to Philadelphia. It wouldn't have, it wouldn't be so far fetched to say that Chet continues to like uproot the family and move them somewhere else and enroll him in a school somewhere for three months and then go back to Philly, you know. Um, mm-hmm. That was kind of my justification. Right, that's the only too. logical thing I can draw there. I had a friend when I was a kid who did not live in a like uh, in a neglectful home and lifestyle as Sean does, but he ended up moving. He was born in Texas, then moved to Tennessee, then moved back to Texas, then back to Tennessee and back to Texas. From birth to 18, that happened. So he was born in Texas, wow. that's one. Moved to Tennessee, that's one move. Moved back to Texas, that's two moves. Moved back to Tennessee, moved back to Texas. So that's four four times, five times, whatever it was. So anyway, I don't know. That's pro- that's what I can like, that's what I can write about <laughs> is that like Chet is like, I got a job in Ohio. And we go there for four months, and then he's like, uh, it's bullshit. We're back to Philly, you know? I mean, that's probably true. Or it's like it. there's a moment where when Verna leaves, they say something about, again, uh, she always does this. She'll come back or something. So I, I'm like, is there a possibility that there was an age, obviously, where Sean was too young to be left? And if if he was only like three or something, he right. didn't had why not just take him along you know so maybe they yeah. moved they moved to ohio to search for verna and then ohio led them to oklahoma and then once they found her they came back or something and they only lived there for like a year right. maybe it all that, like it tracks know, that so. like that could be a lifestyle the only very strange inconsistency yeah. comes to be where you're like Corey and shot of a friend since kindergarten which then presents 
couple months, you know, he probably just continued to leave and come back and leave and come back all the way up until we start showing them together, you know. We're probably thinking way too much. <laughs> right. The writers are like, how do you, like, how do you write one sentence brain. to tell us that this child has had a like crappy upbringing? <laughs> right. Oh, and in a little side note to just something that I wrote down, I was like, Mr. Feeney is very lucky that Alan and Amy didn't change their minds and come up anyway. <laughs> Cause if he had just yeah. walked in and it was just Amy and Alan and they were like, I don't know, necking on the couch or something and be like, Ew, why uh, did you oh, say oh, that? I'm, I'm why so did you sorry. say necking on the couch? What, the what fuck? did I? <laughs> do you want me to just what? say like fucking on the couch? Or what, I mean, what do you want? I would prefer that. I think actually <laughs> verbiage wise, what year is it? Like, right. what, what year is it? <laughs> so we uh, got a couple of new voicemails from Hillary this week about this episode as she is a very dear, dear fan of Sean. And this is a pretty Sean heavy episode. She actually asked us and I'll play the clip, but she had a great question for us. Hello, Skylar and Megan and loyal listeners. It is I, Hillary. I have returned. Uh, so the first thing that I wanted to say it's actually about previous episode. I realized that in my first, uh, I guess you could say, appearance on the podcast, I did not pick an MVP, but I, of course, do have one for this little piggy, and it is, of course, the pig. So one of the reasons that I really like this episode, and yes, I will probably say that for every episode I'm featured on, because why else would I be talking about it if I didn't really like it, is that now from this episode we see kind of how Corey and Sean both think that Feeney perceives them. Like, for example, when Corey took the, the test, uh, the IQ test, and th- thought that Feeney only respected geniuses, and then Feeney goes, you know, wasn't it something along the lines of, well, no, I respect people who try their hardest and, you know, basically people who want to learn. And so... That's kind of Corey's lesson there. And then here we see Sean really convinced that Feeney hates him and is making him miserable on purpose. And one thing that I'm just realizing of all the different times that I have seen this series that maybe I'm just not picking up on, but I'm not quite sure where Sean got the idea that Feeney hated him. Um, Skylar and Megan, if you want to kind of put your thoughts on that, that would be really great. I'm assuming it's just because Sean causes trouble and different things and sometimes makes life more difficult uh, for Feeney. But then again, as we see, especially when Corey was in sixth grade, he was the class clown, class clown and things like that. So I, and then Corey knew that Feeney didn't hate him. So I'm wondering if it's just kind of a crisis and confidence of Sean or kind of where he really got this idea because I have just completely missed where Sean got this idea that Feeney hates him over several years of watching this show then I don't fully understand where he got it from I just like I said I assume it's just because he also causes trouble that would be kind of interesting, I think, to delve into. What does come from this episode is that sense of mutual respect between Feeney and Sean that I think definitely wasn't here before. 
and remains throughout the series. Um, obviously, it's probably not, well, it wasn't explicitly mentioned really after this episode, but I think that that's something that subconsciously is there throughout Sean's time uh, on the show and then in his life and such. And now, uh, so I don't forget again, I do have an MVP, of course, for this episode, and my MVP is Feeney's wife, because I want to know more about Feeney's wife. Do we even know what her name is? How long were they married? Where did they meet? What is the deal? Like, I, I really feel cheated by not knowing more about Feeney's wife, and I, at least his first wife, and I know that it's not relevant to the story, but I don't care. I just really wish we could know that. So what do you think? Why does Sean have this entire, what, what instance does Sean, or like what gives Sean the idea that Feeney hates him? Was there an instance in the past that made him think that? Is it just because he gives him bad grades or he's really hard on him? Like, what do you think so, of that? My take on this is there is no, there's no singular moment to define this. Okay. What there is is a series of interactions that Sean categorizes as negative. And I don't even think that has as much to do with Feeney. I think that really has to do with the fact that Sean has effectively no positive adult presences in his life okay. to base positive interactions on or reference off of Turner becoming the exception to that. And, and so Sean is programmed to immediately associate interactions with adults as negative, kind of regardless of their content. And we see that when Turner's trying to do a good thing for him, he still thinks it's all bad. Yeah. You know, like even despite Turner making positive intentions sean still like default categorizes it as bad right mm -hmm. and because feeney keeps a what he kind of defines as healthy distance from from sean he never gets that opportunity sure to, to prove him wrong until this episode when he is given the chance to prove him wrong so i don't even think it's really as much about feeney i think sean thinks that all adults think he's trash because if we're if we're really going to get like dive deep into this sean has been shown by his parents that he is not worthwhile no he's forgettable he's, he's leaveable. the time and he's leaveable exactly that's the example he's been given from who should be the most positive male uh not male most positive adult role models in his life and so like that has already pre-programmed him for him to dismiss all adults in that way. Sure. And so that's really what I think it comes down to more so than, than specifically Feeney. Obviously he spends a lot of time with Feeney and it's easy for those instances. Like Feeney says, you know, if I'm hard on you and I push you to do well, then that I'm always on your case or whatever it is that Feeney says in that moment. I would argue that Feeney and Sean have what Sean perceives as more negative interactions than maybe Alan and Sean do. Sure. You know, because Feeney is in Sean's life with a job as opposed to just like a presence. So that's really what I think a lot of it comes down to. And, and that's why what I said earlier about the idea of everyone's going to be your enemy until you give them a chance. Otherwise, that's that's what Sean's hardwired to think and do, you know? Yeah. He doesn't believe that anybody could want him. 
or want mm-hmm. good things for him or want to help him. Whereas we see time and again how much he believes himself to be a loner and, yeah. uh, and that he doesn't want help or need help. And so, yeah, his predisposition is all fucked up to assume negativity from the get-go. And so, yeah, that's why I don't, I don't think there is a singular moment. It's, it's every interaction because they're all, in Feeney's book, kind of professional interactions, right? Correct, uh, yeah. And, and Sean, up until this episode, never opens the door to give Feeney a chance to, to show yeah. him otherwise, you know? And so that's, his, that's really what I think it has to do with. Yeah, I think his spite for Feeney is almost a uh, projection of his insecurity as far as adult figures go, for sure. Just because he has no... He kind of, as we've seen before, he believes some of these things about himself that he's just kind of, you know, uh, trailer trash, good for nothing, due to be a hoodlum, like a teenage junkie dropout. Like he thinks that he's destined to be these things because of his upbringing and because people have not shown him that he's worth anymore. And so I think he looks at Feeney's discipline as as like a punishment as opposed to Feeney wanting to push him to be more than and feel more about himself than just I'm a teenage dirt bag. Well, Sean, Sean knows (laughs) smart. He knows all these things about him. He knows his own stereotypes and, and really doesn't make many attempts to subvert them. You know, he, he accepts, accepts them in such a way and and expects everyone else to immediately associate him as such. It doesn't give anyone a chance to even think he isn't what he. Well, but it's, and that's, I think, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I think that it's almost like a, because he's a, he's a teenager, he wants someone to get in his way and say, no, don't do this. You're worth more. And it's like, that's almost like why he acts out is because he wants that, that, that positive reinforcement of like, no, you're not. She, he wants someone telling him like, no, you're not. And typically that person is Corey or Turner or the Matthews. It's never been Feeney. He doesn't know that about himself either. No, of course not. No, he doesn't. He doesn't understand himself that deeply enough on a psychological level to understand that he's hoping to catch someone's attention because the only way he got his parents' attention was when he was doing things he wasn't supposed to. Uh, yes. And, and I mean, yeah, behavior, definitely not at you know. 13. Um, yeah. And so like, he doesn't have that understanding yet, but yeah, I think it, I think in this question where he asks Feeney, why don't you like me? He, he really may as well pose the question in the mirror and mm-hmm. answer it for Feeney because really he's asking, why do I think you don't like me? Why do I think of yeah. you like me? But of course he doesn't really know that. Like he, I think he truly believes that Feeney doesn't like him because, you know, of all the reasons we just said. Yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't understand that it's just a, you know, insecurity. Right. So I hope that learned behavior. Hope that kind of stuff. Yeah. At least my take on it. I, I don't, I don't think that there is any, any instance or evidence to really suggest that Feeney doesn't like Sean. Mm -hmm. It's just a, a systemic debut of learned behaviors and a predisposition to assuming that nobody likes me. Yeah, we did it. We answered it. Great question. Um, she also <laughs> said, right? Yeah, great question. She also talks about her MVP is uh, Mrs. Feeney. Uh, her first name is Lillian, by the way. She asked what her name was. Her name's Lillian. I am actually a little curious about, like, I would love to hear more about Lillian. I, I just want to know how she died. 
because we're, I mean, uh, we're assuming that she, she died. Listen, we said it before. We want, like, we didn't need Girl Meets World. What we really need No, we want a prequel. a prequel. Like a young 27-year-old George Feeney starting out as a teacher. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm the series saying. I needed to see, you know, circa 19, what would that be? Like 1965, right? Because yeah. this episode was 95 and the diary entry is from like 30 years ago. I think he says the diary, the diary entry is 65. from 65. Yeah. And that was right. our five-year so like, wedding anniversary. The, okay, great. So like, let's start this series in fucking 1960. Feeney is mm-hmm. on the edge of, you know, late 20s, approaching 30, becoming like starting off his teaching career. Man, yeah. I love the shit out of that. We get to meet Lillian. I know. We get we get to I, we get to meet her. We get to to see who who brought Feeney to be the wise old sage he is. Like that's what we really need. <laughs> who was Mister Feeney's Mister Feeney? Who was that for him that made him so passionate about to, being that for somebody else? I think you need to like knit that on a throw pillow. Who was Mister Feeney? Ah! Mister Feeney. <laughs> <laughs> that dumb. Any it's anyone happy. who listens if to this anything, podcast that makes like yes. crafty things oh, of any man. kind, please make like uh, I don't know, like a, a what are they called? A, what are the the circles? Embroidery, oh embroidery hoops. Embroidery. If you embroider, I would love to see uh, who was Mr. Feeney's Mr. Feeney, Mr. Feeney or, or like a, a throw pillow, or even just like a little yes. painting. I want to see it. I will cry probably. We'll buy it off you. We'll pay for it. Yeah, we will. I would be very excited. I was going to say one more thing about her and I totally, oh, oh, I remember. I believe based on his reaction when the, when the watch falls down the drain and I know he doesn't, he knows in his brain, okay, the boys don't understand the importance of this watch. So I cannot get upset with them because they don't, they don't have any of the context clues for this to be rationalized, which I so respect by the way, the, how he handles that is entirely perfect. But because of how he reacts in that instance, my understanding would be that she got sick and died from something long standing, like some sort of cancer or just some sort of like long standing disease. Because if he, in that moment, how he reacts is very much, he says something about like, well, it's a 30 year old watch. It's probably time for me to get a new one. Yeah. So it's not even like, because I feel like if it were, first of all, if it were his ex-wife, if it, this were not a death situation, then probably he would be he would not have kept the watch. So it's clear that she died at some point. Also that he's well, well, rereading his diary that. entries. It's very, I, you know. I'm, I'm going to refute a little bit. Just because, Really? Oh, only, no, no, no. I, I agree that she died. I just want to, I want to refute the very specific idea that he would have not kept this watch should she have been an ex because I currently own and wear a watch daily that was given to me as a gift from an ex just because like, it's a good watch. I I do agree that she definitely probably died of some sort of terminal illness. It strikes me very much so as a cancer story. These are all things we'll put into our prequel series. Yeah. I will say an ex-wife is a little bit different than an (laughs) ex-girlfriend. I guess. (laughs) I stand by what I say, but I think that the other thing, his, his resignation about it, said to me that he has been consistently getting rid of these things for a long time. And it was now like in his brain, he was, he was at the acceptance part of like, all right, well, I guess it's the watch's time now. Like he's been slowly getting rid of all these things from hers over the years. He's trying to, well, I mean, he's moving I on from this slowly, story. but surely. 
the fact that he is looking to sell this cabin is yeah it's not like just a plot point it's it's no. a deeper story detail and that he is finally reached a place at which he he feels prepared to begin to move on sure and and he comes up here to get rid of things that are in the cabin right yes you know, like that's his initial reason to come and so prior to Feeney arriving and seeing the boys here this was probably intended to be a really emotional cathartic weekend for him of boxing up photographs or mm-hmm. books and and furniture and things like that that are from this this you know since ended marriage yes uh, where this this cabin clearly was about them yeah and i think the reason that i'm saying it is because i think it was a slow burn like a disease as opposed to an immediate death because i feel like there's a lot more acceptance in what he's saying as just it feels a little more resigned than if it were like a car accident or something very no, immediate. I, I completely agree. It definitely it's, the way he presents it feels like it was a ongoing that was Ducky flapping. Yeah, I heard that. An ongoing uh battle with illness. Yes. Something that's definitely it's he's sat with, it's happened, he's gone through the stages of grief and now he's kind of on the other side of it. And now he's, yeah, like boxing things up and going back and rereading old journals and seeing what needs to be kept and what needs to go and that kind of thing. So that's why I say that. I think that it's, it was some sort of like slow burn. It wasn't just like a boom, she got hit by a car and she's dead, you know? Yeah. So I would love to, I want my prequel. So the B plot. Yeah. Get into it. Tell me all your problems. Oh my God. Okay. So. It's not necessarily problems. It's just so funny to me because he talks about like, oh, well, she only dates jocks. He has a very funny interaction with Mr. Turner because I don't think we've ever seen them interact before. Very interesting interaction. Yeah, I don't think we've ever seen a scene between Eric and Turner. No. And he's like, I have you in class. What are you? Anyway, it's funny. Um, So we forget that Eric is technically a now really good figure skater so why didn't he just if he was gonna lie why didn't he lie about something that he knew he was good at like i don't know like a hockey like why didn't he say he was a hockey player or something uh, even though he had that moment at the end where he hit all of the balls in at once i feel like he still that was like a fluke because this entire game was like a jo- one giant fluke and so he could have just said something like, I don't, you like a hockey player because he'd already, he's already a great figure skater thanks to Nancy Kerrigan. Yeah, it is definitely one of the strangest B plots. Yes. In that it is, it's like, it's absurdism, you know? Yes, absolutely. It pl- it's like a contrast to the very serious. Right discussion and character development that's happening in the cabin well and we take the show that is very clearly situated for the most part like in in some semblance of a real world Mm -hmm. and and then this plot just like blows that up (laughs) this is what they do on the pool table yes uh the woman who plays bianca is definitely not in high school didn't even look near i love that eli is just randomly there I don't know why I like that there is way no more than if like Turner was there. there. No, but for some reason I like it way more than like if Turner were there. I maybe it's just because I like Eli more. I don't know, but it was weird. I think it's so funny. It was weird. It was because here's the thing: 
if you if you boil that situation down a little more, it's real weird for Eli to be as involved in this pool game as he is. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, go talk to some adults, man. <laughs> yeah. And then the last thing that I have to say, which ties into another episode, the episode where Sean shows up at Chubby's at, like, 4 a.m. with Corey, is... Does, what is the deal with Chubby's being open <laughs> at ungodly hours? They they were like, we've been playing for 15 hours. I got to go to church. Maybe and it's I'm a 24 like, okay, seven. So maybe it's maybe it's a 24 seven thing. We've never considered. But like, I don't think it is. It's Philadelphia. Like it's the it has to be of Philadelphia. It has to be. That's the only logical answer for the amount of strange times they arrive. Yeah, no kidding. Or they're just like really, really tight with Chubby. And he's like, yeah, just I'm going to lock the door. Just make sure that it's like double check that it's locked on your way out or something. Last one gets the lights. Right? Yeah, exactly. I, if they're there as often as they are portrayed to be, maybe they are that close with uh-huh. Chubby. But it's just like, what is up with the late hours at Chubby's? That's so funny to me. I don't know why. Well, um, MVPs? Yeah, who is your MVP? I think my MVP for this episode is is going to be Sean. Interesting. Why is that? I think I'm going to give the MVP to Sean because... I'm shocked. Really? You thought it was going to be yeah. me? Yes, I did. <laughs> no, I'm going to give it to Sean because it's it's the like last heroic act of retrieving that watch. Mm-hmm. If they didn't have to do that. It's true. And they didn't do it for the praise or the recognition. It was clearly Sean's idea after his discoveries. And and so I think that they did it to like really just like own up their mistakes and and do a good thing. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think like all the problems in this episode, I guess Corey's the one that technically drains the watch, but the problems uh-huh. in this episode are are largely Sean's creation and fault and I, I think that he does a, a nice job of owning that and mm-hmm. and learning and responding appropriately. Yeah. So yeah. I'm shocked. It was yours. Also a good point. Mine was actually Corey. Mm, Surprisingly oh, enough. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's because Sean is the one I think that learns the lesson although I don't believe it's sunk in and I think Feeney was definitely the one teaching the lesson but it wasn't the lesson wasn't I think what it uh, wasn't I don't want to say wasn't effective because it's not that it wasn't effective it's just that I don't think that Sean quite understood the lesson in its entirety in that Feeney thinks more of him and that he's always going to be pushing him. And there was just like a, like a layer underneath it because we've seen the entire series, we understand where it's going. But of course he's living in that moment. He has no idea where his story is going to take him and how Feeney is going to be such an important part of his life. So I think that for me, it was Corey because he was kind of underneath everything. He was pushing Sean to open up. He was pushing Sean to see another side of Feeney. He kept saying like, he's really not that bad. Like you really got to give him a chance. Like he's, he's not outside of school. He's just like George Feeney. He's not Mr. Feeney. Like, and Corey, of course, even though he succumbs, he's always like, it's wrong. We can't do that. And then obviously they still go. But I feel like Corey plays the little angel on Sean's shoulder in this episode where he's like, okay, but you have to understand that Feeney really is looking out for you and he really has your best interest at heart. And he's kind of 
he is where Feeney is actually presenting the message. I feel like Corey is laying it out for us in a more clear cut way. If that makes any sense whatsoever. It does. It does. I think that both of them are earned. Yeah. So that's why I picked Corey. I thought about picking, well, my first instinct was, okay, Feeney. Well, uh, Skyler's going to pick Feeney. Maybe I'll go with somebody else. Could I pick Sean? Well, no, because he kind of fucks up with going to the cabin and whatever. I was like, you know what? Corey actually does a pretty good job in this episode. So that's where I, where I was with that. All right. Good stuff. I'm about to lose it with my animals over here, so we should wrap this. <laughs> my last, my very last note is, I think it's disgusting that they come back in from the septic tank, hand Feeney his watch, and he puts it right on. He wipes, he wipes it. it off. He wipes the face of it off, but if it is a leather band and it's been soaking, that's disgusting. Anyway, that's my last note. <laughs> that's what I have to say about that. Follow us on the things. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. Send us voicemails. Send us emails. Feeny call podcast at gmail.com. You can also, there's a link in our bio for you to send us voicemails. So just like Hillary did, you can send your voice in. We'll put it on the show. Um, unless it's really mean that we won't put it on the show. Cause you know, we don't like mean people or things. So, um, yeah, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you guys. Have a beautiful, wonderful week. And, uh, so that's it. <laughs> it's my turn. <laughs> Class dismissed.